hear one voice that stands alone. I get one choice to man the throne. Stand good and take shots. Give it all I got. All I got is this microphone. Thanks, people, for, for tuning in. We are the uh, tonight's version of Pulp Revelators. Um, and what we're, we're changing things up a little bit here. We're going to do every Monday evening, we're going to come to you with um, happenings from the past week and what we're looking forward to for the coming week in the world of pop culture, meaning movies, um, comic books. We'll talk about some news, some rumors, some questions. And uh, we've got our faithful crew uh, tonight. We've got Tim Larimore, Mark and Brooks, Mangold, that. and founding emperor, Gary Skirka. <laughs> Majestic so, emperor. <laughs> Majestic emperor. Majestical. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, that you can't be around pop culture at, or Disney Plus, or or I think even like playoff games this weekend had we're mentioning WandaVision as a sponsor. So um, WandaVision is the the biggest thing since uh, the Mandalorian, and Disney Plus still owns what's going on. But um, definitely WandaVision was different, and I think everybody knew it was going to be. Um, so we'll kind of, you know, go around the screen and get some takes. We, you know, Team Mangled, you got anything on WandaVision? I, I thought it was really exciting. We're, you know, we touched on a little bit before, but while we're all kind of rapping about it. But, I mean, it's 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 really brave. I mean, it, it's for MCU, there's so much pent-up demand. Uh, it's been so long since we've had anything. It would have been so easy to go with something safe, you know, whether it's a Falcon and Winter Soldier or just something with a lot of combat, a lot of explosions, a lot of shoot-em-ups, whatever. And here we are, and they dropped this totally bizarre fantasy piece that is just this huge mystery project. And I love it. I love the fact that they're daring to do that. I love the fact that they did it so well. It's definitely a little bit slower than I think, you know, particularly in light of what The Mandalorian gave us. But kudos to them for trying something different, succeeding with it, and keeping us all interested. Yeah, you know, I feel like it's, uh, um, we talked about this earlier too that um, in our little rap session, but The Mandalorian, I feel like I'm just, I'm along for the ride. Whatever you give me, man, I, I want to see it. And each episode is kind of its own story where WandaVision's given us almost like a, a mystery to solve as we go with little breadcrumbs. And you're starting to see those breadcrumbs dropping in bigger amounts. And the way episode two ended, you're kind of like, wow, that's, yeah. that's, really, that's really interesting. And it, what I could say is it, it just has my interest, you know, so it's really cool. Yeah. I like it. Cause there's all these Easter eggs in the background that um, you can pull directly from the source material, which, you know, if you were like me and had no life growing up, um, <laughs> you've read all of it. So just seeing some of that kind of pop up and, you know, with the MCU, it, it's never something you take for granted that you read any of the source material because for every one of their movies, having read a lot of the source material, they change it. So it's similar, but different. And in many cases, better. Um, so I'm really interested to see what they do. I mean, it's kind of like this cross between a superhero show, um, an old TV show that we grew up watching and the Twilight Zone with a little bit of Lost thrown in there too. So it's like, it's like they took all these different genre shows and they're like, man, let's just smash that together. 
Well, I think, was it Mark that shared uh, earlier today to the group or yesterday that, I mean, I really thought this was going to follow the storyline of Vision and and really kind of give us that just because they were talking about just the way they filmed it, what you're seeing, the cinematography made you feel like they were going to follow that storyline. And now it seems like that's just not the case. It seems like they're, they're going a different route and it's, it, it's really looks like a lot of fun. Brooks, you were talking about the way that it's moving forward decade by decade, right? Yeah. So episode one started out where? The fifties. And then how's it? And then episode two is the sixties. 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Starts with the 2000s, and then there are three extra episodes that where they kind of have room. Be about. Yeah, where they kind of have room to finish the story at that point. But I mean, the fifth, you know, the first episode was clearly the 50s with right. Yakety Yak and I Love Lucy references. And episode two was, you know, Help Me Rhonda and, and uh, Bewitched, right? And so, I mean, it, it's, I mean, that's fun. And they even do that so well. I mean, it, it's, it's just incredible how that studio does masterful storytelling whatever it tackles it just and even the laugh in that they they pump the laugh in when something funny is said or done and you're like oh wow i mean and 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 so just every so often we get this tease that something's wrong you know either either somebody gets worried or somebody gets cut you see color pop in or you see this conversation uh with the neighbor um you know, that who are you or why are you here? You know, th- those kinds of questions that, um, you know, these kind of existential questions that you're not allowed to ask in 50s comedy shit. Right. Right. And they don't remember anything or you get like the laugh track plays at, in, at improper moments, like awkward moments. Um, my only disappointment with the show at this point is um, I really think that Vision's boss should have been played by Kurtwood Smith since um since the uh his wife was played by the actress that played in that 70s show it would have been awesome to have red as uh vision's boss and just have those uh, those two as a married couple couple together even though you know kerwood smith will always be clarence boddicker as well uh from robocop so it's kind of (laughs) like they're like little uh things that throwbacks that i watched and i was like oh that would have been so cool but um no the, the show was uh it defied expectations and it was definitely opportune that they released both episodes back to back because right. I think if you had just watched that first episode, you probably would have ended with a, what did I just watch? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I mean, and, and I felt that way in a good way, but I think there's a lot of people who would have felt that way in a bad way. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they did that. I think they probably felt almost pressured into it. And look, there's a lot of people who don't like the show. I mean, there's definitely a lot of, you know, you read a lot of reviews and there's a lot of people who are disappointed, but I think by the time this, I think, you know, most people who love this, these movies mm-hmm. by the end of this, I think it's going to wrap in a way they're, they're going to reveal something. They're setting something up that everyone's going to like it by the end. I think. Well, it's also a completely different gear. Like you see MCU, you expect this big cinematic um, experience, like, you know, the battle at the end of Endgame. I mean, that that was on par with the battles and all of the, well, especially the second two Lord of the Rings trilogies. I mean, it was just this huge like war with all kinds of characters that all got a shiny moment. So after seeing Endgame and that was our last kind of taste of MCU and then you switch to this episodic 
type of thing that's more of a kind of like going back a throwback to the old tv shows like leave it the beaver and bewitched and all of that at this time but leading into big things i i think that a lot of people are going to have that issue like even the falcon and the winter soldier i think you're going to see um it every episode can't be this big cinematic thing and it, it was it was the same with uh the mandalorian which you know i think that's also everyone's benchmark if you yeah. remember the first few episodes it was it wasn't these huge battles. It was him taking out a bunch of stormtroopers, And we all know that's no big deal. They can't hit the broad side <laughs> of the barn. Um, so there was like no like really huge thing. So I think it's just that all of our expectations are so high. And this came in as kind of like a sneaky mystery type of thing that uh, I think people are just thrown off by that. Well, Mark said it well, brave. You know, it, it's because... Kevin Feige knows what how Mandalorian has been received. You know, they know what how, all the all the stuff that you know they know the context, and so you shift gears because really you can't have every MC movie just throttle down right away and be you know like just crazy the whole time. You know they when when Ant Man was released, that's not what you wanted to see next, really, because it wasn't the next part of the story. Or when you know Captain Marvel was not the the you know was not end game to come after infinity wars you know so you've got these um changes of pace uh -huh. which you know, but but they so far and i don't think that the the that figi and crew are, are dropping the ball just yet but they've they've managed to pick up everything they've started you know they've managed to tie it all in and bring it something that we didn't even know couldn't even see coming and this is so fun because I mean, there's so many questions. I mean, what I mean, what are the the key questions here going forward that we got to figure out? I mean, you know, Vision's dead, right? So like, where you know, where we were talking about it before. I think Tim brought it up. Where's where's where is Scarlet Witch? I mean, where, she's clearly probably manipulating. Is she manipulating this? Who's talking to her? I mean, there's so many great questions, right. and it's gonna be so much fun figuring that out. Yeah, some some of what you guys have talked about how Marvel kind of had to step outside and change gears and step outside the zone and what they're currently doing. If you really look at it as each of these episodes is like a post-credit scene, just giving you a tidbit, are they really that far outside of what they normally do? Mm -hmm. it's, the difference is these episodes are, you know, 30 minutes long at most. Um, that, that's my one hang up, but I know why they're doing it because there's was an article out recently. Um, I can't remember where that talked about how all these Marvel series are going to be different lengths depending on what content they feel like they need to get into each episode or throughout the storyline. But I, I thought it was funny. I avoided all press because I didn't watch it until Friday evening. And as soon as I, as soon as I got done watching it, my first thought when they started giving us color was Pleasantville. Yeah. Right. When you look online, all you see are people go like, man, that's a good reference to Pleasantville. Like they, they grabbed something there and took it to the next level. And, but Pleasantville opened that door. I mean, that was really cool concept when it came out and and when and for some reason when tom king even though it wasn't black and white and when tom king's comic came out pleasantville was the first thing i thought of when i saw the picture on the front and then i dropped that until you just brought that up tim i mean i think gary's twilight zone reference is dead on like it just it has that feeling yeah yeah totally yeah. like what is going on like this is weird this isn't reality i mean as a younger fan who's really into the, the battles in endgame i mean did you were you psyched about WandaVision? Were you excited about it when you watched it? Well, I mean, no, 
if it was a normal <laughs> movie release, but yes, because, well, we haven't had a Marvel movie in like a year. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Marvel really, this particular series has really benefited from that fact. That yes. it's something slow and it's building and they always do a really good job of interconnect, interconnecting all their pieces. And they went back to the writing board on this one when they realized things were going to be slowed down and they did some reshoots and they redid some things. And they, they, they thought about the releases because remember WandaVision wasn't initially supposed to be the first release. Right. They've thought about this and they've still found a way to make this the beginning story of this next phase. And I like the little Easter eggs. We talked about this off screen too, that, you know, the first piece of color you had was the Stark toaster blinking red. And then the next thing you had was the helicopter in the bushes and it's funny that the helicopter is the same color as Tony Stark's, you know, Mark One armor. Yep. Mark, Mark Two, not Mark One. And um, I think Gary had said he he picked out the logo um, that references. Um, help me out here, guys. Sword. 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 Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it's it, and all these little color pieces are giving us. It means something. And and by the way, how brilliant was the filmmaking on that toaster scene? I mean, how just awkward. <laughs> And it's scary and just totally bizarre and weird was that whole thing just to begin with. It was just off center. And cool. then it was so tense. You know what I mean? Yeah, the toaster was blinking and it was bloop, 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 like picking up. All I could think of was was Wanda and her brother buried in rubble right. with that bomb next to him. And that's well, to me, that's what that was referencing. And the and that's just thing. that just speaks to the level, the quality of the filmmaking that people take for granted with this franchise. You know, when something like that can remind you of something that happened to Levin, because I thought the same thing, Tim. Right. It took me right back to them explaining that. And, and they didn't, that wasn't even in End of Legends. I mean, we, no one had talked about that in a while, but when, you know, they talked about in Age of Ultron that they were stuck in the house and they saw t the Stark mm -hmm. Enterprises for, for something that's a millisecond long in this TV show, there was really just a feeling, not even a, a line of dialogue, to remind you of something that happened, uh, what, 14 movies ago? Is just speaks to the volumes of just how incredible the, the, the writing and the filmmaking is. Yeah, Mike, I'm sorry. And, and think about the the how subtle, and I and this was something I read. I didn't catch on right away either. Right when when Wanda comes out and puts her hands over the eyes of um, you know the boss, that's how her, the Scarlet Witch was manipulating people when she was a bad guy. You know, like it was that same kind of thing. That same, and you're like, oh, like you know it's like kind of pulling it apart where you realize there's probably if you go back and watch it there's nothing that's in there that doesn't hold a key to something like right. almost everything you know well uh, also, like they're setting up things that we're not even going to see in wandavision you know i saw an article today it might have been on comicbook.com but or comicbooknews.com one of those sites um but the article someone picked up on wanda saying the devil's in the details and the neighbor going that's not the only place he is and there is a character in the Marvel universe not too many people know about is the devil. Mephisto. Right. And we've we've talked before and that the the news outlets have hinted that he's on the way. You know, he could be a very interesting character at some point in time. And yeah. I hate him and I love to hate him because he's just that much of a pain in the butt. So that might be something we never see Wanda ever make contact with, but sets up a storyline somewhere else. There the, you can't ignore the breadcrumbs being dropped for other stuff too. 
Can, can the encyclopedia folks here touch on what's on the importance of sword? Because I feel like that's a pretty major thing that I'm not well versed on. That'd be Encyclopedia Gary. Um, well, there's a really cool article that uh, Mark sent us. And sorry if I'm shaking my camera around. My dog came in and opened the door. and <laughs> I haven't taught her how to shut the door yet. So I had to get up and move. But um, the uh, of course, I've also haven't taught my teenagers how to shut the door yet. But um, so sword is like separate, but an intergalactic version of shield. Um, you know, they sit and kind of, um, you know, how shields like the spy agency, you know, well, swords like the spy agency of space. And um, their job is to protect us from extraterrestrial battles and we know with some of the plans coming up i mean you have secret invasion coming so i think they're going to play a larger part in it but that's i have no clue what they're doing with this i have no clue why their presence is here um jimmy woo is an interesting character and i know that um he's supposed to appear in the series he was like a shield agent but then splits off to um this other agency so there's all kinds of potential there um, I mean, they had to change his origin uh, rather swiftly because he, um, his, uh, his nemesis was um, Jimmy Woo was created during the Yellow Scare and you know these horrible moments um, in our history, and his nemesis was a really bad character that was like really hitting all all the racist cues when he was created. So they've kind of done with, away with that and redone his story, and he is like a major spy. So it's. There's just a lot. Well, don't I feel like this version of Sword, they're setting up more to be like a superhero monitoring than space monitoring, maybe, it feels like, just kind of the way it's... Don't forget that where we last saw Samuel L. Jackson was in a Sword setting. Right. And, yeah. and he has a Sword series coming that's going to focus on him. So it wouldn't be outside the realm of them thinking Wanda could be someone with her abilities that could help them at sword. So I, it almost could be a recruiting thing. Or who's a danger. True. You know? I, and I think you're, and I think that's the Spider-Man far from home was the last Marvel movie, not Endgame. So, right. and, and the last thing we saw Tim, and that's been on my mind this week too, was the fact that the Samuel L. Jackson that, that Peter Parker was dealing with was a scroll. Right. And the real Samuel Jackson was in space. Right. So, so there's lots of possibilities and stuff and, that we, you know. And don't forget how comfortable that he was in space. I mean, he's relaxing, taking in some sun. <laughs> Shoes are off. He doesn't know where yeah. they are. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. been there a while. He's having a good time. He's attaching himself to his new role. So, and I, I think that Nick Fury, um, they've said that this Nick Fury series with Sword is just going to kind of be like, man, be, just be fun. And kind of tell, I don't, I don't believe that for a second. I believe that it is going to spearhead um, the connections between the Eternals and all these other movies that we're going to be seeing. I mean, there has to be a connective piece. Right. Um, yeah, I just realized that they haven't really been setting up the Eternals. No, I, I feel like, I mean, I, and I feel like they're branching off into those three worlds, right? There's gonna be like a cosmic 
thing that has to do with yes. the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor, where he's gone to. And then there's going to be kind of the more straight line, like almost Tom Clancy-esque Falcon and the Winter Soldier government oh, type stuff. And then you're going to have this scrawl thing too, which is I, probably is able to you know bring it all together. And there's no one in the Guardians of Galaxy that's going to be thinking about, we need to get the Avengers, the Avengers involved. I mean, they have their own abilities and they have Thor along for the ride for right now. So they really don't need the Avengers. They have a Avenger, but they don't need all of them. So there has to be a connecting piece. And there has to be a, there has to be a bad guy big enough to bring everybody back together. But there's got to be something that focuses on Earth, or at least focuses on the team sitting on Earth to continue their storylines and in, further into the face. Yeah. And I mean, back to WandaVision, um, that article that Mark sent us, um, we can post it. Um, but it... Apparently, in all the credits, if you watch, um, they give special thanks to a bunch of comic creators that have written Vision and Scarlet Witch over the years. And if you go back and you look, there are some clues in that um, that lead to, you know, perhaps more. um, There's more going on with Wanda than what we think. Um, Yeah. But again, like I said, you have to be really careful because they've they've changed the story so much. So I I think um, it would be fun for our listeners watchers um whoever um to go back and read some of the stories but don't take that as a bible as to what's happening with wandavision because while marvel's really good at doing a story within a story they also always do a story that sets up the next story um like we know that wanda's gonna be in the doctor strange movie right so and also with sword and i really hope that this is the link um sword's the next book right now so um, it would be really interesting if we start seeing some of the Fantastic Four and X-Men stuff peppered and some of this earlier than we thought. And I think that would be because of pandemic because they got they had a length of time to go back and yeah. do some more stuff. Yeah, I was, I was thinking the same thing. You know, you've, if you follow the comics, then Wanda plays a very important part in the mutant world. Um, but you can't you can't hold Marvel cinematic universe to that because you don't know what they're going to do. But at the same time, Wanda is the perfect engine to start connecting some of those pieces to the mutant world. And like you've already said, sword um, starts, I think sword started with a spy in, in the, um, in the X mansion. It's kind of how that storyline started out. Yeah. Way back in um, astonishing X-Men written by Joss Whedon. Yeah, um, that's where the spy showed up inside the X mansion. And, yeah, and for all we know, Marvel could be introducing uh, Zach's COVID compliance man, you know, <laughs> to bring him in. <laughs> or like his wizard from um, our dun- our long lost Dungeons and Dragons. Hans, <laughs> right. Hans. Mm-hmm. So Brooks, Brooks wanted to remind me today, I mean, and who's, who's Scarlet Witch's father in the comic books? Magneto. Right. I mean, you know, so there, you know, the, Tim, I think, was talking about it when we were on earlier. I mean, they could bring him. I mean, that could be the secret at the end of the series is Magneto's back. And it's really, you know, I mean, if anything like that, I mean, the one from the article you're talking about, Gary, that made me shoot up was, you know, the House of M conversation, how Dr. Doom was the one that manipulated yeah. Scarlet Witch's reality in the precursor mm-hmm. to that event. So there's, you're right. They're dancing around with a lot of really important source material here. And any one of those things will shoot this off into the next 
And oh, I'm telling you, if I see Mads Mikkelsen appear as Doctor Doom at the end of WandaVision, I'll be like, we need to do an episode right now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter which way they go either because they have so many options and they're all just exciting because they all complete pieces. And it doesn't mean that the other pieces are shut off either because Marvel can keep dipping into that, that cauldron. So let's, sure. so let's wrap up WandaVision with what's what's one question that that's in your mind that that is kind of driving for you and and i'll i'll start since i'm talking um the that idea of really just where is wanda like in the physical like where is she actually you know that's that that's the one that's kind of turning over in my head like we see what's going on but we know that this is not real in some way it's surreal so where is she actually so if you have a question that's kind of like, you know, turning around in your minds, you know, throw it out there. I, I got the next one. Is Wanda really pregnant? Is she really going to have kids? Are we, are we really going to get Wanda envisions children somewhere in the midst of this? Doesn't have to be this season, but somewhere in the midst of this, are we going to get that? Good question. Yeah. You got one? I, I think what, when the cards are played, and we and it, they're all on the table, and we know that this is a reality. Is Wanda going to be willing to leave, knowing mm-hmm. that Vision? She, you know, I, all of this it feels like her creation. I mean, we were talking about it before, and Tim, you brought this point up. I mean, you know, she rewound reality, right? I mean, so a lot of this feels like her doing. Once everything's laid out on the table, the children are there, right? Is she going to be willing to leave? And if she is, how does that turn end up going? forward ladies and gentlemen we have a late arrival <laughs> mr 2020 the dumpster fire has arrived we don't know where is is that your house we haven't seen yeah. that room yet. this is my kitchen okay ah microwave well we're clued in now and the funny thing is zach we just conjured you a second ago talking about your covid compliance <laughs> man could be in wandavision for all we know and hans and uh, Hans would probably be in the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness movie. <laughs> he would. <laughs> so I guess my biggest question is why they didn't get Red to play Vision's boss. Good question. No, I um, I, no, mine kind of goes along with Mark. Um, the entire time I've been watching it, uh, it's is that the real Vision? Um, is that the Vision that we know from the uh, previous stories? Um, because you know there's a again, there's a sordid history in the comics when it comes to vision and the Scarlet witch. So uh, I'm just curious to see how that pans out that he's back from the dead. And, and the last thing I'll say about WandaVision is good job to Paul Bettany finally getting a chance to flesh out a character that he's been itching to do. And he's doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. I think both the leads are doing are phenomenal. Yeah. And you just care so much more about these characters after two episodes than you did before that, that, that goes, I think without saying. So Zach, did you, have you, did you pull on um, WandaVision yet? The first yes. two episodes? Yes. We've been, uh, we we're just kind of wrapping up discussion on it. Do you have any thoughts you want to throw in? I think it's going to, I mean, end. it's no Superman V Batman, but what, how do you feel about it? <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, I think the first episode was kind of slow, but I think it's, it's building, thoroughly building a world. And getting the audience really sucked in. And I think it's going to crush our hearts at the end. 
That's what I think. Great prediction. Yeah. Just what we need in 2021. Hearts crushed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they're going to bring Vision back as an actual character. So I think it was too, it was too important how he died and they would just make that entire scene silly now if they just brought him back the way they do. I agree, and I and I we talked about this before. I wonder if it's going to set up a heel turn for the Scarlet Witch. Just is she past the breaking point <clears throat> to use a wrestling term? But I mean, is she past the breaking point at this point? Once she has to snap out of this reality and lose the kids and Vision on top of her, you know, brother already being dead, and is this going to set off a heel dad. turn for the Doctor Strange movies? How to process that? I hadn't thought that way yet. But that's you guys are probably that pretty big. And and if it's Thanos. Of this phase. Yeah, whoever is manipulating, whether it's Mephisto, whether it's Magneto, whether it's, you know, who knows? You're, that's a great question or great thing to – unprecedented really so far. We haven't had a, a main hero turn, I don't think, have we, in no. the MCU? No. No, just, I mean, you know, Hawkeye being brainwashed by Loki comes to mind, but that's uh, that's the closest I think we can get, right? Right, you're right. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll handle it better than Fox did the Phoenix. Just hope <laughs> twice. Twice. You're, you're right. They've told that story twice. Neither one they was told great. that story twice badly. <laughs> All right. So where are we on with our next topic? All right. So we, 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 we will return to the MCU a little bit later uh, since – we've, we've heard tell that Chris Evans may reprise Captain America again, but that will be later. So one of the things is that we're, we're talking about source material here and we've, we've seen, um, you know, movies that have come about from, um, from the infinity gauntlet and from, you know, pulling from different comic arcs and pulling from, you know, you can go out into Star Wars. We, we're seeing hopefully the first good Dune movie coming up later this year. Um, so, oh, Zach, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-oh. The 1980s Dune was a fantastic movie. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get that straight. I like to see, I like the David Lynch version as well, but. It was interesting for its time, but it'll be really interesting to see with where we are with modern cinema, what they can do with, with what they, I mean, they, I was telling you guys during the break, if, if they give me two hours of what the trailer looks like, uh, my mind's going to be blown because that trailer looks phenomenal. I'm with you there. They've got the right stars. They, it's just the right time to tell the story. And I, I believe the hope is that this is a trilogy or, or a, a four episode movie. I think Am well, I they're actually um, the first book's going to be split into two movies. Um, yeah. They're only doing half the book because I mean, if you've read it, you understand why. That's kind of how they put it back in the 80s, too. I, I mean, like the Lynch version, um, but it really drifted far away from the source material. This one looks like it's going to be closer to the source material. I mean, I'm a David Lynch fan, so I just like it for its lynchiness. That's really the wrong term to to use. Um, because, it, you know, his uh, his thematic vision. Um, so, But this one looks like it's literally from the book. It does. I, I'm psyched about it. It's. I remember when I was a teenager, there were basically two games you could play on the computer. You could play Warcraft or you could play Dune. Or, or Pong. Or, or Duke Nukem. Or, or Pong, right. 
That was the only Atari, though. Kong was on the Atari. <laughs> but I remember playing Dune for hours, and you know, it, there's only so much they can do with that storyline on a computer back then. But it's just it's always had my interest, you know. And I think that a lot of a lot of modern stories, particularly when you talk about interstellar stories, they, they draw from the story of Dune. You know, and there's there's a lot to that colonizing Mars. I mean, how many movies and books have been written about that since Dune? And I'm not saying Dune set the precedent, but Dune definitely has a lot of a lot of talented people drawing from some of that source material. Well, and then really any I mean, you can go to the Mandalorian or any kind of space um, desert scene. And, you know, that's kind of coming from Dune in some way, shape or form being pulled from there. Well, one of the big and bounty are in uh, Mandalorian this year was um, when they went and killed the, the I can't remember the name of the beast, but the, the beast they killed in the desert, the sandworm. Right. Great dragon. Great dragon. Great dragon. Thank you. And I mean, that just feels like dude. It does. So yeah, I just pulled that useless knowledge right out of my head. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, I can't remember. I'm like, dude, I know that because I'm a nerd. <laughs> I'd look dumb 100% of the time, not just 90% of the time. <laughs> so, so the question that, you know, so Dune, regardless of what you think of the first movie, there's a new one coming out. But so what's the source material that it has not yet been mined into a good movie? Just, you know, just something that, um, you know, that, that, that grabbed you as a story. And you're like, man, that just needs to be a movie. And Mark, I know you've you've got one in mind. Yeah, I, you know my first, my initial thought about all of this when we because we kind of touched on this last week, but DC is missing out. I feel like they've had so many great runs in the last 10, 15 years of comic books, and they have not touched any of them for any of their films. And I would, I mean, personally, I would love to see the Court of Owls be brought. You know, mm-hmm. Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo's Court of Owls. I don't know how. They missed that opportunity. I know there was an animated Jeff Prado. There's an animated series, but something with a with a horror filmmaker making that film the way it was written would just be fantastic. And the fact that they've ignored, I mean, but I could go through. I mean, in Rebirth, there's three or four runs that could be interesting movies. DC, whereas Marvel, you know, is quick to incorporate Fractions, Hawkeye, at least the logo into the TV show, right? And Tom King's Vision, and so many Age of Ultron. We're talking about. I mean, that that came out like the year before the movie, you know, the event. DC's so slow to the draw, and, and they have such a great, you know, uh, bullpen of writers at this point. But I, I mean, that that's the one to me that stands out. I mean, a, a Court of Owls trilogy would just be fantastic, and they totally dropped the ball. And, Bert, you were going to say, which one were you, which one did you think? Avengers versus X-Men. A versus X. Ooh. I think he, he wants to see the, this next phase of the MCU have that head-on collision that could happen we don't know how the x-men are going to come into the into the mcu we know that they are going to in some way shape or form eventually and it seems like the way that they're positioning the mutants is in kind of the, the social injustice type of thing that that could actually end up being a way that they introduce that yeah marvel always tries to take things that are happening in current times and the social injustice uh topic is something that they can really tackle with a lot of current knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah, and I like how everybody's always like, well, how are you going to introduce them? Where have they been this entire time? They did it with Captain Marvel. I mean, Captain Marvel happened before any of these films. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they've done it with all these characters all along. Like they, you know, they didn't realize one another existed in the world. So I feel like they kind of already tackled that. Yeah. Cause so we definitely- had, uh, the new mutants kind of, we've been doing this for thousands of years. We've been hiding the mutants from the world and controlling them and keeping them under wraps for thousands of years. And they've already got the perfect intro into where were you? Mm-hmm. And the, particularly if they, they could totally retcon Wanda and, and her brothers and Quicksilver's current origin and say, you know, that that was, it wasn't an experiment. They were actually mutants and they were brought in, they were being, t- you know, whatever. But you also have the Eternals, which is going to take us from the start of man, right? And rewind and, and then go centuries forward at a time where they can introduce anything at that point. Yep. You know what I mean? Right. In the background of that movie. Absolutely. Skirky, you got source material you want to see a movie out of? I do. I'm actually going to go away from DC and Marvel a bit for it. Um, I actually kind of like have three that were popping around my head and I can't, um, I can't make them stop. So I'll sit, talk about all three of them. Um, Birthright by Joshua Williamson. Cool story. It um, starts off as every parent's nightmare. Um, this family's uh, youngest son disappears. And by the end of the first issue, um, there's this gigantic Conan guy running around and it turns out he is the boy. He got sucked into this alternate reality and has come back as an adult. So time passed faster where he was. And it's just this whole story of how, you know, how he became Conan in this medieval fantasy world. And he's back home and he's got to save that world and save this world. And there's all these twists and turns and intrigues. It was really, really good. Um, and it's still going on. It hasn't finished. I think it's wrapping up soon. But, um, you know, with the pandemic, things have slowed down. Uh, Firepower by Robert Kirkman. I've talked about it a few times. Um, you know, he, his book, I mean, Walking Dead, he did Walking Dead. And look how strong that still goes um, on TV. Uh, he did Invincible, which is now becoming an animated Amazon series. And now Firepower is like what I wanted Iron Fist to be the Netflix Iron Fist TV show. It was, it's like a cross between a modern Bruce Lee film and Kung Fu. Um, so that would be great. And then um, this series has been around forever, but um, it's kind of almost like the Star-Lord series, but Nexus by uh, Steve Rude. It's about um, this Ultraman-like uh, or Spectraman, if you ever watched that. There's this entity that... Um, basically creates a space punisher type of guy and that's his agent to keep justice. And it picks this guy um, who's like basically kind of failed at everything and he becomes the new Nexus. And I mean, that, that series has been around since the early eighties and it's still going on independently. And it's just really good space opera type of material. So yeah, I guess I'm going fantasy and Kung Fu and space opera there, but those are three that right off the top of my head, I'm sure there's like a thousand more. I'd be like, Oh, I want to see that movie. But right off the top of my head, those are the three that I was like, I'd go see them instantly. Good choices. Zach, yeah. you got anything that um, you've had a chance to mull over? Pound puppies. <laughs> live action rainbow bright. There you go. Right. That live action care bears. <laughs> that would just be a horror show that would be terrifying um for the, for the would, people who brought you cats yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Or a horror director doing Care Bears. Think about that. Now we're on to something. I'd watch that. Yeah. Um, I Well, I don't trust DC to do this correctly because they're terrible at making movies. But Black as Night, that's here, the, uh, that would be a good horror movie. It would have to be expanded over more than one movie, though, unfortunately, because it's so long. But, um, but I don't trust them to actually be able to pull that off. Um, so good. Uh, Irredeemable which was a, a comic by um, Mark Wade, where there was only real, like one real superhero in the world and he went crazy and just started destroying the world. That would be a cool one. Um, and then um, that comic you got me, Mike, uh, Die. Yeah, that could be that fun. Would be, that would be a fun one to make into a movie. I'll tell you the one the one that it might go towards that a little bit. From when I was younger, I love King Arthur stories. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's been a couple attempts at King Arthur movies. And I don't want to I'll probably upset Zach again here of saying that there hasn't been really a great no, one, but there has not <laughs> been a great one. Unfortunately. But TH White's uh Once in Future King. That would be awesome. It was just, you know. It's it's a fun take on it. It's different. You're, you're, there's comedy. There's zaniness. Um, you know, and not that it would tie into the MCU, but um, you know, it was even plugged in the X Men movies. Like that, this is that you know that the X Men were all reading that when they're in their in, in Xavier's school. Mm-hmm. So um, great call. You know, I think that'd be a blast. I'd be all in. I don't know how many movies you'd have to make. To make to tell the story right, but I'd watch all of them. I think it's well, a, and a household name to boot. A lot. And uh, Excalibur, especially written by Chris Claremont. I mean, the whole uh, concept of Otherworld is basically Avalon with Merlin and all of that. Yeah. Tim, I have a couple. Um, the first one, I'm kind of going to go outside of comic books altogether. There's a writer named Marie Lou. Um, I don't know if you guys have read it or read anything she's written. She's written several young adults type books and series. One of them is called The Court of Roses. And it's a really interesting um, take. What she does is she actually starts the story from the mind of the bad guy. And it's about their struggle with trying to get everyone to understand that their way is best and they need to follow up and then do what she says. Um, And it's about, they all have, there's probably eight main characters and they all have different powers um, depending on who they are. Some of them can manipulate you just through mind control. Some of them can give you vision. Some of them can fly. It's it's a pretty cool um, series, and it's set you know a millennia ago in that time period. So it's it's really interesting. It'd be fun to see that come out as a as a book series as as a TV series of some sorts. But I could see someone like CBS picking it up and it just being like a butchered primetime series. Also, that would be bad. I keep hearing rumors of this, but I haven't actually seen it. But the Wheel of Time series. That would be good. It's supposed to be, I've heard before that HBO or someone's making it into a series, but then it he always fizzles out. So. It seems like it's been popular for so long that somebody should be doing it, right? Yeah. Also a book that has a lot of influence from Dune. Yeah. Marie Lou wrote a Batman book. Yes. And it's very good. It takes, it's like Batman as like a junior senior in high school and like his first adventure into like kind of being a detective and figuring things out as like a teenager. 
And it's I've got it if anybody wants to borrow it, but it's a cool read. Cool. Um, another one I thought of, um, I think we're going to get it with the Boba Fett series, or at least some piece of it, is Star Wars currently has a run out of called Bounty Hunters, and it's specifically about Bounty Hunters, and Boba Fett's kind of in and out of it, but it follows a particular Bounty Hunter and him trying to do what he thinks is the right thing, but at the same time, everyone else is, every one of his peers is a Bounty Hunter trying to make their money. So um, it's a really interesting um, read right now. I think it's probably six or seven issues strong right now, but that would be fun. Um, and then Undiscovered Country, on you guys have, have picked up on that at all. It's an Image Comics um, run. That's probably 12 or 13, maybe even 14 um, issues in now. They took a break until the new year, and they're supposed to start up sometime in late January, early February with the next part. But uh, the idea is that, like, the United States closed itself off to the world, and no one can get into the U.S., but there's, like, a global pandemic, surprise, surprise, that has them <laughs> – trying to figure out what's going on inside the U S because they may have the cure. And then when you get inside the U S there's, there's just all kinds of weird stuff that I don't it's know like how. Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. And how I understand they are making that actually. It's, it's slowly developing. I mean, yeah. I, before the first episode ever released, they announced it was going to be a series. Um, but and, and didn't that all come out before the pandemic? I mean, didn't they start writing that? I mean, that, that's talk, I mean, I don't want to say hit the jackpot with something so morbid, but I mean, they for the timeliness. I mean, they, it just happened to be completely relevant, spot on. Yeah. The concept kind of reminded me of Escape from New York there for a little bit because yes, you know, the whole wall, all these colorful characters. Um, Tim, you you meant when I think of you, I think Star Wars, and you mentioned it, and um when you guys finish this, if you get a chance, there was a fan film that I always thought if they turn that into like a comedy TV series, it would be gold. And it's called troopers. And it's basically cops, but starring the stormtroopers, <laughs> And it show, totally shows their absolute ineptitude, like the entire episode. And it's so funny. I would when watch, you watch that. that? Oh, my I, I think you can find it on YouTube still. There's, it, it was a, um, it was like, there, I, I watched it literally the same time I watched the Star Wars rap, which is an animated rap. And it was just like, it was this fan film competition and they were winners and Troopers is just absolutely hilarious. And I, I have one last one to leave you guys with just a thought. What if we actually got a series that spun off of M. Night Shyamalan's Glass? Yeah. Where that left off and we had these superheroes suddenly realizing that they weren't just different, that they were more than unique and that there's society out there trying to keep them all silent and quiet. That'd be a cool like HBO run. It would. As long as M. Night Shyamalan didn't write it. (laughs) 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 That'd be cool. Because every episode would have a plot twist. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I think there's there, and I think that we're starting to see, you know, like places like Netflix and, um, you know, Amazon Prime, who are saying, okay, Marvel and DC are doing their thing. Let's grab Image. Let's grab some of these others. Let's grab Mark Millar's stuff, and let and and we won't have to pay as much, and we can make our own story. And and so I, I think the well, look look what you got out of the boys, and look what you got out of um, yeah. Walking Dead. Umbrella I mean, Academy. Umbrella okay. Academy. I mean, it's, it's wide open. 
have fun. Absolutely. So, you know, we're going to, what you'll see in our weekly episodes is we're going to jump around a little bit. And, you know, after leaving movies here, we're going to dive into comic books a little bit. And for the last, oh, I can't, well, if you go all the way back to Dark Knight's Metal, we're talking a couple of years, you know, if you, but, but DC has just finished their, um, Dark Knight's death metal run, which has all kinds of repercussions and has launched into future state. Um, but you've got this pretty just, you know, epic, um, you know, end of the, not just the world or the universe or the multiverse, but the omniverse. Um, and, and so this big storytelling and this amazing art and, um, you know, all centered around the big three, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. Um, and so it's just wrapped up. And so we thought it'd be a, fa a fair time to just kind of, um, you know, take the temperature a little bit. Um, Team Mangle, do you guys have any uh, thoughts on, I, I know Brooks stayed up and finished it himself. Yeah, Brooks came in my room the other night at 1.30 in the morning and said, Dad, have you, have you finished Death Metal? It's awesome. <laughs> And he, he just started reading because they gave him the whole 26 uh, books when you count the tie-ins and he stayed up probably a little bit later than he's allowed to and, and read the whole thing and then came bursting in the room and he was really excited about it. I think I, it's wrapping up Rebirth, you know, I, to me, Rebirth as a whole was kind of a disappointment. I think from where it started with that special, which was really awesome and Jeff Johns wrote and had left all this room for the button and you had the JSA hints and you had all these things and the Superman stories somewhere along the lines, probably because of sales, they got hijacked by the Batman who laughs, but you can't take away from the fact that the first dark Knights metal was awesome. And this follow-up was, I thought really incredible too. I mean, it was a lot of fun. The build up to it over the last four years probably could have done without, you know, it was a little, it was a lot of the Batman who laughs and they kind of ruined that part of it, but it leaves us in a, I think in a pretty cool spot going forward. I mean, what are some of the things, Brooks, that you were excited about when it ended? I mean, what are the, some of the things going forward that it set up? Well, obviously everyone getting their memories back. Yep. Um, and not just that they, they, that they got their memories back, but they remember everything. So everything that's ever happened is canon at this point. Um, From the thirties on. Yeah, I remember everything. Everybody who died, I mean, they, they brought back Alfred. They brought back Arsenal. Well, we don't know that. well they brought them back in zombie form. That's right. But I, I'm guessing that they're back. Um, and then what? And then who's missing? What? Who's missing now at the end? Which, Dark Side and Wonder Woman. Dark Side and Wonder Woman are gone. We're not sure. And then Earth Zero is no longer the center of the multiverse, right? What? Who? What came back? Elseworld. Right. Elseworld and a mystery world are now the center of the multiverse. There's this Illuminati that's Lex Luthor and Vandal Savage and Talia Al Ghul and uh, West Flash. Martian Manhunter Hawkgirl. And they're this kind of Illuminati that so they set up some really cool stuff going forward. It was a really big event. I to me, what I enjoyed about it was it was super optimistic the way it ended. It was built on hope and everything everybody kind of liked about superheroes and Wonder Woman, you know, was was joined by the Golden Age 
Wonder Woman that we all know and love, you know, and, and they kind of sailed off of the sunset and destroyed the Batman Who Laughs together. Of course, it left the door open for those two to return, Batman Who Laughs and the Robin King, who we will, I'm sure we'll see. But I think, you know, DC, the one thing that I think that to me that they really succeeded with during Rebirth was establishing just an incredible team of writers that I think did an incredible job. And I think some of their best content, you know, was Tom Taylor's work, uh, Sean Murphy's work, some of the stuff that happened away from canon. And this gives them the opportunity to bring all those things into canon. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Injustice was another massive hit that they had. And they started selling these things. You know, Tom King's Up in the Sky and um, Bendis's Batman story. I mean, the, all those things, none of those, the, so those were some of their best content. And it all happened away from canon. I think this gives them a chance to kind of incorporate that. I wouldn't be surprised to see an Injustice verse you know, the, the DCU or, or deceased come in, or I think that gives them an opportunity to play with all that stuff. But all in all, I thought it was a great event, which, you know, I, I was a little leery of because I was kind of Batman who laughed out, <laughs> but I was really excited uh, with the way it ended and definitely excited for how this is going to end up going forward. I'm, I'm stuck on um, picturing Mark sound asleep in his bed. <laughs> and all of a sudden Brooks comes in with a, bottle jolt colon in one hand and the other like Dad, this was the greatest thing ever <laughs> oh, he was fired up i have to say though there, i love that whole idea because i you know there was nobody in my house growing up that would have even cared that i finished you know secret wars or anything you know I, so I, i'm not sure how much i cared at 130 i was, I was a little like you know <laughs> I haven't finished it yet. I've got like two or three issues left and uh, I'll care a lot more at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely something I won't forget. I'll say that. <laughs> Zach, have you been reading along with any of this? No, I only read Death Metal, the original. I haven't read. I didn't even realize they kept going with it until you guys had talked about it one day and I looked it up. So, Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say you can you can know the outcome somewhat and still have yeah like what he says is really just confusing because of everything he just said doesn't make any sense <laughs> so it's more intriguing now that i want to read it than i did before that, i will tell you like i'm, I'm talking not sure about how much about it right now that's what they would say to me right now everything you said make no sense whatsoever <laughs> yeah I, I i can honestly say trying to explain it I'm not sure. I'm not sure it really made. I'm not sure any of it makes any sense, to be honest with you. I, I read it. Sounds it like you dreamed it, it up. Yeah, you're artwork. trying to explain a dream to someone, and you're like, "Stop! That doesn't make any sense." You I, and I kind of felt that way about up. both metal and the and the follow up. I'm not sure that they're the clear cleanest storytelling that we've seen in comics. It was they're pretty jumbled, and right. uh, that's probably my one biggest criticism of it. But it's it's confusing. It's complicated, but it's really big. It's really bold. The artwork is really cool. They have some, uh, you know, hundreds of concepts of different Batman who are nightmares from a different planet, which are all cool to see. But it, it, they're both of them are very, very difficult to follow. I will, I will agree with that. And well, you, and that whole everything happened. Like there were some really like big character moments in the death metal story, which I won't say for Zach's sake. But there are two characters that had a really cool. A kind of will they won't they characters and 
you know, for one night, it was kind of like, or one day this thing happened. And then you read the solicitations later, which I hate that they call it that. Cause I feel like Zach and Tim are going to arrest me one day when I say, Oh, solicitations. <laughs> um, but it's, a um, they, um, they, those two characters are appearing in the first round of books together um, after future state. So it's kind of um, that whole concept's cool. Plus I, a cool parallel. And um, I'll probably catch some flack for this um, by those that are old enough to remember it. But one of the only cool reboots I felt was right after crisis on infinite earths where everything was brand new in the DC universe. And you had John Burns, Superman and, Frank Miller doing Batman and then Denny O'Neill doing Batman. And it was like new, you didn't know what to expect. And at the end of um, that crisis, the earth one wonder woman had been killed and the earth two wonder woman went off to this godlike realm. Does that sound similar to you guys that have, uh, you know, read this? So it's kind of, and she didn't come back till much later. So it was kind of, um, it's interesting how like some of that stuff, unfolded again yeah and for me that my favorite part of death metal that i did i forgot to mention was <clears throat> in christ on infinite earths obviously earth 2 was destroyed and that was the world war ii earth that you know the all-star squadron and justice society was part of yep they pretty much reestablished. i think in the last page of the book which hopefully means there'll be a series because i my favorite era of comic books is the justice society they're back and they're in World War II again. They're in 1943, and that would be really exciting if that, you know, lived on in some meaningful way. Word. And and without spoiling anything for Zach or Tim or or whoever, I mean, death metal leaves a world of possibilities of anything is possible. You could go anywhere. You could go, you know. And so that's kind of what kickstarts Future State. Where okay, here, you know. That being the case, here is a bunch of different things that that could happen. Possibly those things will settle some, and then we'll and then you've got in March we get DC's next line coming out after Future State. So, it, I don't want to say blank slate, but DC's got a lot that they can play with, um, and, and and we know one of the things I, re- I read in an Adventures in Poor Taste interview with Scott Snyder during the course of Death Metal. You had DC firings going on. You had a pandemic. You had all these kind of, and so, you know, it changed a number of issues. They, they they knew what story they wanted to tell. It changed in who was responsible for what. It changed in, you know, so so it being a little jumbled, I think, may have just been, you know, as a result of a, a, a cluster bomb of different things going on. But, you know, DC could go, you know, they probably will still make bad movies, but you know, the, <laughs> they can go a lot of cool ways in comics right now. It Hopefully the whole reboot plans. Cause um, you know, one of the big things that they talked about is uh, before the deal got fired, the plan was to do this uh, 5g where all the heroes aged in real time. And I'm sorry, I have the worst Charlie horse ever, um, but uh, <laughs> they changed the, um, they the heroes age in real time and this new generation of heroes was taken over. And you're kind of seeing a little bit of that in the post um, death metal stories. And even if you look at the most recent uh, solicitations, um, even this future state, some of the stuff from future state will be carrying over into future books, as well as some of the stuff from death metal that happened. So it's kind of like, 
you're right. It's like just craziness that's going on. The amount of storytelling they can do. Hopefully they take advantage of it. Because DC, one of the things I think when I think DC is the amount of times they reboot their universe. Yeah. It's just, it's, and I, because it was like rebirth didn't happen that long ago. Right? Like just a couple years. And so hopefully with this new, because again, I haven't read it, so I have no idea where it goes, but it sounds like there's a lot of possibility they actually take advantage of that and flesh it out before they reboot everything again. I think they're done with the reboots. I think they're realizing that that's an issue. That's why they kind of did this because, you know, New 52 failed, basically. Yeah, it, it was did. a failed project, um, which I didn't like to begin with. I kind of liked the whole uh, generational storyline they had going into New 52. And when they just suddenly dropped that and did New 52, I was like, oh, this is awful. Um, so, yeah, I like this whole entire everything's on the plate now. So. And I think they did that to kill the whole crisis concept. Yeah, because there was a final crisis that was not the final crisis. No. <laughs> and it actually made no sense when I liked the story, but then it kind of just got forgotten afterwards. Especially, which doesn't make sense because Darkseid tore the world into the bleed and it was weird. But yeah, anyway. I think um, I think there was um, some extracurricular activities he was doing when he wrote that. That kind of uh, yeah, you visualize some things that the rest of us could not. Yeah, because <laughs> there was some weird stuff. It was good, but it was weird. Anyway, <laughs> so, so time will tell where where the uh, post Dark Knight's uh, death metal leads, and where Future State leads, but. Um, we'll wrap our comics into what's currently going on. And so one of the things that we'll do each week is talk about, Hey, you know, this last week, this came out, we read it and it was cool. Um, Or this coming week with new comic book day, this is coming out and I'm really psyched about it. So uh, I'll throw it out there to, uh, to whoever I will say um, for this past week, um, you know, a, a, a comic book writer who um, I'm a big fan of. I think, you know, Gary and I know met him. Mark and Brooks, you guys probably did it. Third Eyes, Matt Rosenberg, mm-hmm. um, who has written, you know, almost everything that Marvel has. He's written Hawkeye. He's written X-Men. He's written and and Punisher, I think, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things that... Um, I'm reading King in Black as the main storyline, but I'm not reading all the sidebars except for Thunderbolts. And uh, Rosenberg picked up Thunderbolts, who are a, a, and I'm not sure who other than Gary, because I've not read Thunderbolts before. They're kind of a bunch of like, you know, has been bad guys that, that, you know, that get a second chance to kind of clear their name, kind of not, not unlike Suicide Squad, but, um, but these guys are, are kind of like not even the best of the bad guys. I mean, they're kind of like, you know, the A team is not the right way to put it because they're not <laughs> the A team. They'd probably be like the, the, the E or F team. Um, but Rosenberg's sense of humor and his way of going about things just seems perfect. And so I picked it up and it's a, it's a lot of fun. And, and there's supposed to be a Thunderbolt series after King and Black is done. Um, so I would, I would, you know, 
if you're a fan of Rosenberg's writing or you're a fan of um, the Thunderbolts concept or just a little bit of humor in with your, you know, end of the world, uh, King and Black coming around, uh, I would pick it up. Can I give a shout out to Hawkeye Freefall, another <laughs> Matthew Rosenberg? Yeah, that was so fun. Look here. Yeah. All right. Anybody read anything cool last week? Um, I'll second the Thunderbolts and Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I, I took the opportunity to catch up with that and it is, it's really good. And, um, you know, one of the most controversial storylines um, is One More Day by uh, Straczynski and really pushed by uh, Joe Casada, where, you know, Spider-Man makes a deal with Mephisto to save his aunt, but uh, Mephisto's deal is that the marriage has to be wiped out with Mary Jane. So that's how they did away with the marriage to make it more young and hip because old because young people don't like reading about married couples. You know, sorry for us old people. Um, but hey, watch so, it. But that <laughs> said, hey, watch it. Some of us aren't old. <laughs> so, uh, you're old in spirit, Zach. But, <laughs> I will probably be going to bed after this. <laughs> like I said, um, I'll be taking my Geritol and going to bed after this once I rub my chest with Vicks of Apo Rub. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Too much information, Gary. <laughs> but um, the uh, so they're retouching on that story and some repercussions from it because you know they never there were never any repercussions from. Wow, he made a deal with the devil for that. <laughs> so now they're going back and showing that that may have not that may have come with uh, some bad things. Like even uh, like Doctor Strange just discovered it, and he's like, "Dude, you can't do that without some type of consequence happening." And then suddenly the consequences are kind of spilling out. So um, really good storyline. Um, I also, well, no, that was it. That was it from last week. I, I think, think. I can't, Brooks, I can't remember any of the independent books. I, I, of course, I haven't read everything from last week either. Brooks would would second Spencer's Spider Man run. He's really digging it. When um when they do the big reveal, you need to wake your dad up at two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna live stream all you guys when that happens. We're giving them all these great ideas. I'll still be upgrading anyway. It won't matter. <laughs> all right so we can you know one of the comics that dropped this week that marvel gets a huge zonk award for was high republic mm. because they put that thing out in such a short print that you can't get it except for the scalpers online who are selling it for 30 40 bucks so you guys suck <laughs> your scalpers marvel you dropped the ball on that one because it was very highly anticipated and somehow you couldn't see that coming so I missed it because I thought, man, I'll just go grab it. I should have had it in a pull box because the only thing I got filled were pre-orders. Um, and then they finished up this week with um, the last of the uh, – I'm having – my brain's just gone. Our favorite Netflix series, Mark. Cobra Kai? Cobra no. Kai, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. <laughs> Stranger Things just finished up um, a short run. They have two, two of them. One was a Halloween run. One was like a summer camp run. Right now, all the comics are doing for that are like pre-season um, one and pre-season two, so they don't interfere with any future story. Mm -hmm. But it's really kind of a fun run. If you enjoyed like the, the dorkdom and the geekiness of Stranger Things at all, the, 
the comics dive right into that. One of them's based solely on the fact that the boys are playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and they have like a summer, a summer camp mystery to solve. It's, it's really cool. It's a, it's a really fun run. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, next week we get the next Daredevil. Is that right? Or is it the following week? I think it's the following week. I think this week you get uh, second printings with different covers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Daredevil run, I mean, I know it's it's really strong at this point. You can get a lot of it in trade back. Uh, but Zadarski's done a great job with it, and it's worth the read. And I think Gary's right. I think because even I tr- I went to I didn't pre-order 25 issue 25 and it went it was just gone third eye portals everywhere and so this is the second printing of 25 that comes out this week so maybe I'll get to read it I got that one <laughs> good all right so you know whether it's previous or or coming out this week just open up to uh, any anything anybody wants to talk about I forgot to mention something John Ridley's Batman um, from Future State, the first issue was really good. Uh, really interesting concept. I haven't read Dark Detective yet um, by Marika Tamaki, but I think I'm going to. Um, this week coming out, uh, I'm looking forward to the X-Books. Sort of, uh, you know, a Ten of Swords really got me hooked back into what Hickman's doing with the X-Books. Are you following anyone in particular? Is there like a storyline you're really liking? Um. I, I want to see where Sword goes. Yeah. yeah. Sword, so I'll probably take a look at Cable this week since he yeah. spills out of uh Cable is a great run. I've been I've I missed one. I missed like number four, number five. It's right. And there's another book that I'm sure Mike's gonna talk about, but I'll wait till Mike mentions it. Well, X Force um, comes out this X Force sixteen comes out this week too. So that's the uh, another X one. Team Mangle and anything for you guys coming out? No, I think you're going to touch on the one. I'll let you bring that one home because that, that's really the only one I'm really excited about. But yeah. I will mention Gary brought up the, the John Ridley Batman. The other history of the DC universe is fantastic, too, if anybody hasn't read that yet. It's, oh, nice. it's really good. So I've got to say, so this week we've got the issue number two in Batman Catwoman from Tom King and Clay Mann. Um which I'm, you know, we've all, we're only one issue in, but I've been looking forward to that for you know ever since the Batman run to, was finished. We've got Avengers number forty-one, which we're into the tournament of the of who's going to get the uh, Phoenix Force next. So Jason Aaron's having a lot of fun with that. Um, but the new new thing this week is Iron Fist finally gets his own comic back, um, which you know. I feel like they've got to redeem him from the absolute crappy Netflix series. Um, you know, one of the characters who was one of the great fun characters, Danny Rand, and, you know, you've had Matt Fraction, you've had Ed Brubaker, you've had so many just amazing fun runs, um, all to fizzle out into a, a whiny, um, you know, kind of uh, millennial type dud in the series so what smarter thing to do than to give it to larry hama of gi joe fame to to turn in a great martial arts book and i know gary's a big larry hama fan i am uh well a larry hama is a vietnam vet so when it comes to like combat stuff it, he has actual like in-depth knowledge of it so and you know he he's the guy that 
when you think of snake eyes and storm shadows from gi joe their backstory that's the dude that wrote it like this whole ninja brothers against one another is that has permeated every version of the story larry hama's the one that did it so it's kind of like uh really cool some of the concepts that i hope he brings to it i, I think it's uh he's going to be a great writer for that series he also wrote wolverine the uh his first ongoing series that was Larry Hama that wrote the beginning of it. Cool. Mike, I thought you were going to mention seven to eternity too. Rick Miranda. Oh, I can't, you know, I can seven to eternity is one. So there's, there's that and once in future are both coming out, you know, and, and seven to eternity is probably the Rick Remender is, is just a writer who I think I've, I've not read everything that he's done, but I've loved everything that I've read from Deadly Class to Low to, um, you know, his Uncanny X-Force was still just, you know, just an amazing run of, of Marvel. And um, Seven to Eternity, for some reason, I like better than East of West. I like better than, you know, a lot of the post-apocalyptic because you get fantasy and sci-fi and, and all this stuff coming together. Um, but I'm reading it in trade paperback. So I've, I've got, you know, a little ways to go. So I won't be reading it this week, but I can't wait for the series to finish. Zach. I sadly have not read any new comments, recent comics recently, but hopefully I'll be able to start death metal because it sounds interesting. I have started reading the sequel to Dune by Brian Herbert, but that's not a comic. That's just a book. I feel like Zach almost cheered up there. <laughs> they actually have a Dune comic out right now. Um, I'm not reading it, but I know it's they've they've been messing with it. It's a prequel, House of Treaties. I think it's based. Oh, on that's the book I'm reading. Yeah, it's that's one of the books cool. Brian Herbert wrote. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to comic books and go in the uh, <laughs> we'll hit in the news now with different things coming out. So. Um, a couple things that kind of, you know, have, have come up this past week, um, kind of diving back into the MCU, it's been announced that Deadpool 3 is green-lighted, and it's going to be in the MCU, or part of the MCU, and it's going to be rated R, which Brooks is probably not thrilled about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we won't be seeing that one. I don't. I I know Marvel's going to figure it out. I don't know how you blend Daredevil as an R-rated entity into everything they've given us so far, and not lose half your box office from families being unwilling to bring their children. Yeah, you know, it's it's it. We were talking a little bit too about WandaVision. I mean, I, I think everybody remembers like when Lost was on air, when it got to season four. And the ratings started to dip a little bit. It was like, you know, the ratings are going to dip because everybody can't follow it. You know, you, you can't you not you can't get new viewers because the only way to enjoy it is if you've seen everything that happens. Marvel runs a risk there, and, and I, I know they thought this out, you know, thoroughly, but they run a risk if people can't watch it. If you if you skip it, you know, because you can't, I can't take him or whatever. Do, do they lose some excitement? Do they lose people who are following every last thing and every last waking moment? I'm excited. I, I, I think a Deadpool already movie sounds really cool. 
at the same time, it, you know, part uh, really, I think unspoken part of the success of these movies is that it is something that an entire family can enjoy every step of the way. You know I mean? Whether it's even my wife watches every single thing that well, comes out. It could be comical. I mean, I, I could totally. see it. You know how like Captain America tried, you know, said Avengers Assemble probably 16 different times through all four phases. And, you know, we only captured it once because they would phase out and go to something else or that would just kind right. of get <laughs> right. lost. I could see them like just silencing Deadpool yeah. like every step of the way. And then like for, like a post-credit scene, like, what the crap have you done to me? <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel that Deadpool's a character that they can have part of the MCU, but not a big part. Like his own movies, they're still radar. But if they want to bring him into the rest of the movies, his breaking the fourth wall can be played up easily that he no longer is rated R. Yeah. I think he totally. can seamlessly come in and out of the rest of the movies. And I think that I think that's the idea is that, you know, when he's in an ensemble, an ensemble piece, that's what they'll do. Um, I mean, Deadpool one and Deadpool two were both absolute blasts, you know, and I love that. Uh, Best MCU but, movies. But at the same time, you know, I get it. It's it's if you missed it, you didn't miss anything else in the larger, larger picture of how it all ties together. Um, so it would be interesting. You could probably say the same thing about any individual Marvel movie, aside from maybe Iron Man 1, since it was kind of like the catalyst. Almost all those movies, like how many people out there following Marvel actually have taken the time to watch The Hawk? <laughs> one, one and done to quote your earlier expression yeah, yeah one once that's it and, yeah, and, and certainly one, ant-man you yeah, know I, they've brought some of those characters back from that movie you know and it's yeah. it's interesting to see how that plays out but you didn't need that movie <laughs> to see how some of these other characters and storylines developed because it just happens organically they do such a good job of intertwining it and it will be a massive box office haul let's not kid ourselves yeah oh yeah yeah, no, I, I think that I mean, Deadpool is going to be successful on its own. I, my curiosity is how do you integrate him into Marvel for, like, say, like an Avengers-esque type movie or even an action type movie that kind of pushes the edge? I mean, a Deadpool goes over the edge. Yeah, so and, and they could and they could certainly do an edit, you know, with, with all the streaming that they have with Disney Plus, they could also do a PG-rated one for people who needed to see it to catch they, up with it. They more. released it to the theaters initially, if you remember that. Yeah, it was a, a, a was a PG thirteen version. Uh, yeah, it got all kinds of, of flack for it, but kudos to them mm-hmm. for putting a product out there because they saw a way to make money, but they also saw they were missing um, a target audience that felt left out. So good for them. Yep. So I'm gonna jump us past. Uh, you know, Ethan Hawke is gonna be a villain in Moon Knight. We don't know who. Um, Doesn't matter. Right. You know, it's going to be fun. You know, what, one thing at some point we may talk about the Dungeons and Dragons TV show that the writer of John Wick is is uh, in charge of writing. But I know we've been on here for a little while. So uh, we're going to move to the, the unconfirmed rumor uh, mill, which is how we'll finish up each week with with uh, talking about rumors. Um, the biggest one of this past week, which I don't think anybody could have missed, is that Chris Evans is has been uh, tapped or, or said that uh, it, that he's going to play Captain America for 
at least one, possibly two more movies, um, but not solo movies in an ensemble cast like Avengers was, or 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 um, we don't know. The last time we saw uh, Steve Rogers, he was an old man who gave his shield to uh, um, to Falcon to Sam. So, um, what do you guys think? What's um, you know where do we go with Captain America from here? And there's, you know, that's Chris Evans to begin with. I love his embracing of Captain America, but I can't trust Captain America here because Chris Evans has been like news to me. I'm like, whoa, this has come from all the right sources and he likes to have fun. So, you know, I would, I would chalk it up to that. He's done such a great job with the character. They could throw him into a lot of different storylines. If he doesn't come back more permanently, there's a storyline for Captain America where um, he's thrown into a realm that he can't get out of. And he ends up finding his son there. And the whole thing's about saving his, you know, helping his son survive and getting him out of that world. And man, that could be with WandaVision and with the Doctor Strange um, movie about to come out. That could really kind of touch and throw us into that, that type of world for Captain America, which could be really interesting. With him denying it, you know, Marvel's so tight that I think if he actually came out and confirmed it, that he would have to stand there while in a line right. the entire production crew and cast throat punched him all. Like, one at a time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see him kind of um, being what Samuel Jackson was at the beginning of this whole adventure, um, being that support character that kind of ties the newer movies together. Like he's the one doing the recruiting kind of since uh, Samuel is off in space. Uh, you know, Steve is the Nick Fury on the ground, potentially. Don't forget and, that new I am Hydra moment. I know they kind of had cheeky fun with that in Endgame, but there was a significant storyline about a year and a half ago where Steve Rogers ended up being an agent of Hydra, and then that got fleshed out. There's so much they could do with him. Well, particularly when you open up the multiverse, right? Where, I mean, anything's possible. Where I mean, any variation. I mean, it's kind of hard with all these rumors to take anything seriously because they could all end up being cameos like, you know, the, the flashes on the TV program where they're on for three seconds and it's no big deal. I mean, and I feel like they're setting us up for a lot of that in the multiverse, particularly in DC with Michael Keaton and all the different Batmans. And they're doing that here with the Spider-Man. My guess is maybe he's an old man and he's a mentor to, to, to the Falcon, you know, as he becomes Captain America or maybe he's a, it seems like it's going to be a supporting role. Maybe he's supporting cast and secret invasion, or maybe it's just something in the multiverse where, like you said, they confront a Hydra version of him in a different universe or something like that. But my guess is that it's going to be smaller in scope. But You can also use him for backstory to validate another newer character. Totally. He's a very strong character, very strong actor. And Steve Rogers is a very strong character for the Avengers to throw out there to validate a character who they're trying to introduce it's hard to go, you know, forward in Marvel with no Iron Man and no Captain America. I mean, those are like your two bread and butter, you know? Yep. And it may prove more and more difficult as, as time goes on, too. They may find that, you know, with the box office as well. Yeah, that chemistry will may not be as prevalent as it used to be. And no Black Widow. And, you know, I mean, it, it's all a lot of those characters going forward. I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like some of these characters who – are going to be carrying the mantle for a while. I don't feel like their time is is lengthy. 
you know, Star-Lord. I, I don't know how much longer that story is going to carry on. Yeah, and with the loss of Chadwick Boseman, I mean, that that's a real – I mean, that, that was a character who was front and center, who everybody adored and just was – you know, thought it was fantastic. And oh, He could have easily driven the Avengers moving forward. Absolutely, and you lose him. So now you have Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I'm not all that excited about watching a Captain Marvel-led Avengers team for seven years. You know what I mean? I, I think they're going to have to develop – some other people for sure, you know, um, Falcon is Captain America. I'm buy, I'll buy into that. You know what I mean? But it, it's, um, it, it's, you know, the Hulk is his rough going to stick around. I mean, all those things. I mean, going forward, there's a lot of questions there for sure. And she Star Lord, uh, James Gunn has one more movie and then the, uh, the holiday special that's coming on later this year. Right. And he's not interested in keeping going um, after that. Mm-mm. I've seen today that you know, that Nova, you know, Kevin Feige has talked about Nova being a big force, you know, at some point down the road, um, you know, and so that's the thing like, you know, whether Guardians of the Galaxy or Avengers is you can have a rotating cast. The ensemble cast is what the Avengers have always been. But if you, I remember the comic books growing up, you would look in the corner to see whose faces were in, you know, and that's who was on the team at the time. Right. You know? And, and that was a black, you're like, oh, okay, I, you know, I like this Avengers. And then Hawkeye had the West Coast Avengers and you had like those different things going on. And yeah, you decided whether you're going to buy it or not based on that, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And people may decide, you know, I, I think that the MCU has their credibility right now. I'd never re- heard of or read Guardians of the Galaxy prior to the movie coming out. Now right. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm loving how Ewing's run. I've read, you know, all of the, um, you know, backstory. I, I've read most of the, of the different runs from Guardians, and so you know, I, I think the MCU is what launched them um, in that sense. So who knows? I mean, I'll, I'll trust them for now. What's What's so clever about that is is when they gave us Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Feggy and, and that group, Farva, they already had them tied in to Endgame. Like they they had yeah. it mapped out. Marvel's just renowned for having things mapped out years in advance, which is, it's honestly, if DC could just grab a piece of that concept, they they would have success. The Court of Owls, like you mentioned earlier and all that stuff, if they could just do that, they'd have the success they need. Um, but, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, you're right, they really weren't mainstream until after the movie. But, you know, I, I pose the question to you again, though, like how long are they going to last? Because they, they tease us at the end of The Last Guardians, they gave us, different characters, you know, Sylvester Stallone's character and some other characters who were portrayed there. Um, some of those characters actually pick up the mantle of Guardians of the Galaxy at different times within the comic books. So are they teasing us with the next group? Because we've heard that. We've heard that before that this group of Guardians is going to fade out and there's going to be another group stepping in. And that's happened in the comics. I mean, we, we've, we haven't seen Adam Warlock as a character. We haven't seen Moondragon as a character. We haven't seen Nova as a character. We haven't seen um, Beta Ray Bill, they've been tying into Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of possibilities. You already teased Warlock and Nova each. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. right. it's on their mind. Tim Gunn really wanted to go at um, Warlock, but just couldn't find a way to, to tell that story and not have it compete with the rest of the story. Right. He made a really good decision to stay with the original Guardians of the Galaxy storyline. Um, and then and in episode uh, and Guardians of Galaxy two, he made the same decision. They just couldn't find a way to fit him in, but he's coming. Mm-hmm. Been teased. 
I mean, you, you got that sarcophagus sitting there. How long can that thing sit there? Yeah. Uh, and then you got at least through the pandemic. There's <laughs> <laughs> a really interesting article this week that talked about how um, Nova is going to be coming because within um, not Endgame but um, Infinity Wars, it was revealed that Thanos destroyed Nova Prime, mm-hmm. like decimated it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where Nova's storyline comes from is from picking up right. pieces and defending Nova Prime and what's left of it. So it's well, every every character that's played Nova, you have really potential because you have that whole last Starfighter like story where it's like, yeah. or that Hal Jordan story yeah. where it's like you know this guy who technically could be considered a drifter loser type or a kid who's the nerd discovers this thing that gives them untold power and they have to rise to the occasion. So yeah, it could be really good, really good. Um, MCU, it's just moving forward um this kind of ties into the rumors but you know we've heard about charlie cox uh potentially being in the third spider-man and he played daredevil and in the same interview where kevin Feige um review revealed a lot recently he said don't count out the netflix shows potentially returning so um i mean mike coulter as luke cage was spot on john bernthal as the punisher there's no way they can recast that role i mean they have got to use him We've already talked about Iron Fist. I don't need to recast it, redo it, forget it ever happened, please. Um, you know, and Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones uh, was great. Yeah, I mean, every one of those shows minus Iron Fist was terrific. And bringing the, those cast members back would be spectacular. And that, that's gaining a lot of traction. So I think you'll see that happen. And really, I mean, the, the, the Marvel Universe, Daredevil's a hub. Like, Daredevil's a great character who ties into a lot of different things. You know, if you if you're in New York, you know, and you go through Hell's Kitchen, he's going to you're going to have to run into him, you know, and Matt Murdock defends superheroes. They I mean, they Marvel really benefited, actually, as it turns out, I think, from, you know, selling their rights to these other studios for a while because it's given them so much more length. You know, we haven't even seen the Fantastic Four yet. They had to establish the Guardians of the Galaxy as its own thing. You know, we haven't seen the Fantastic Four. We haven't seen the X-Men. We haven't seen Daredevil yet. And, you know, and and. These are all major things that they're going to be able to drop into this and breathe new life into it, which is going to be, as we just touched on, super important. Going what, does, what does the dry erase board at Marvel look like right now? <laughs> yeah. It's all strings. It's like it's like seeing an amateur like uh, detective like with uh, trying to solve the case. Um, or the conspiracy theorist, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Now, I want to touch back on Iron Fist. I was just thinking about it, and in my joke, I'm kind of being a little unfair. I liked every character and all the actors um in iron fist i'm sorry except for the main character it was and that was what bothered me i didn't like the main character um colleen wing was great Uh, misty knight was great the villains um the brother and sister they were all terrific it was just the main character when you were rooting for davros to kick danny's butt at the end of the first season, <laughs> you know that there may have been a casting error or at least a portrayal error. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I really like, I, I want to be fair because I really like some of those um, actors and other things that they've done. Um, but I, I just, yeah, I think you nailed it, Mike. It, it was like, it was like he was actually portraying that stereotypical whiny millennial. And I'm not even saying that millennials are all whiny. Um, Dustin and Zach, but uh, no, I just, <laughs> but 
but um you know it's just he he was really basically he was anakin from the prequel series is how i felt about it and i i was like highly annoyed but i watched the entire thing because i was like well he's gonna he's gonna pull out of this and he didn't yeah like i said the greatest thing about that entire both seasons of that entire run was the last two minutes <laughs> when yeah. they're at foreign land and suddenly like you see like the potential of the iron fist and, we, and you're and you're you're right too about this this um there's so many characters that haven't been that that, that are like pinnacle cornerstones that haven't come out yet mm-hmm. and you gotta think that sooner or later villain wise it's all going to lead to dr doom i mean it, it it has to you know yeah well and with the netflix spinoffs as well like i would watch a daughters of the dragon tv show with misty knight and colleen wing mm-hmm. you know that they, they were always like good side characters so yeah marvel just as everywhere but yeah i would love to see dr doom be the ultimate big bad of the new phase but again mads mickelson that is my choice for dr doom man that dude would just be incredible as doom yeah i mean particularly when you the other the other choice as far as huge marvel villains is galactus and i don't i don't know that there's anybody less charismatic as a bad guy i mean he almost has to come in with another bad guy you know yeah you pointed that out um maybe like last ep- could have been last episode mark and, I, and once you said that i was like oh yeah that it, it's kind of like you know there's not a lot you can really do to have fun with that no, he's super compelling in the comic books, but I just don't think it translates to TV or film. Like, I mean, it's just this big monster guy that doesn't really talk, you know? Yeah, he's basically Unicron from the Transformers 80s. Yeah, yeah. Like, this big planet that's going to eat Marvel from kind of rewriting that character to a sense, yeah. you know? I mean, I, Thanos, I kind of thought of, he's kind of, he's been a bad guy, but he started off as kind of like a putsy bad guy. So he would falter and fail, but oh my bad, <laughs> just run off. You know, and, you it know, would be great Josh, if they got Josh Brolin to play Galactus too. Like get him to play all the like big like cosmic <laughs> galactic evils. That'd be a good doom. Yeah. yeah, as long as Cable doesn't kill him, you know that. No. <laughs> yeah, what if what if you write the story that Death goes and gets Galactus to to, to help her seek revenge for what happened to Thanos? Yeah, rumors starting yeah. out right now. Rumor. It was said by Tim, so it is so. Now I have one more thing to say, and then I'll be quiet for the rest of the episode. Um, Tim, where did you get that shirt? This one. No, uh, the one that's in your drawer back in your bedroom <laughs> that I can't see. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that, that was uh, lunchbox. Cover my at the Annapolis Mall. <laughs> Yeah, that was from a uh, lunchbox. So right. it's, they're like the next level up for Hot Topic. It's all the same company that owns them. But I think I got it from that store. It says Be Fit Sun. So I don't know if they can get it like, online. Great shirt. Brooks has a continuity question that he's really concerned about. All right. What do you Go got, ahead. Brooks? So Cable is in Deadpool 2. Right. And he's played in by Josh Brolin. So if Deadpool 3 isn't supposed to be a new Deadpool movie, because it is called Deadpool 3 and not like Deadpool or something, right. then 
how is Josh Brolin Cable but also Thanos? Like, how, how do they just look the exact same? Don't worry, Deadpool will bring that up at some point. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, <laughs> he's in the right movie. Like, they can actually yeah. talk about that. That must be the funnest character to be able to make a movie or comic for. Because you can do anything you want. I I think you pointed out like the biggest joke in the movie. And Ryan Ryan Reynolds will absolutely say that. Like there's no question that he will go there. Didn't they steal away? (laughs) I think you just called out the 30 best seconds of the movie will be them addressing that. In fact, I can see him like editing himself into the final battle of Endgame. (laughs) Right. Right. Wait, aren't you Thanos? I don't understand. Yeah, I can see Deadpool suddenly like appearing in the final. Like uh, they did a what a comic series, Deadpool Secret War, where he uh, actually participated in the very original Secret Wars in Marvel Comics, and he hadn't even been created yet. Right. But they, like retconned it, and he's there, and he's got like <laughs> he's got long flowing hair and a cool mustache. <laughs> it's just like, no, bro, I, think that, I think that one of the they talked about this once before with him playing Thanos and um, in an interview somewhere, I remember, I think, but I think that what they found or what I would say is Thanos is a a CG character um, that has a lot of Josh Brolin's facial features, but he's, he's his own character where, where um, cable Thanos's cable or um, Brolin's cable was him being makeup enhanced. Right. So, so he, he's not big and purple. He's not larger than life. Um, but that's such a good question. And there's no way that, that, that Ryan Reynolds doesn't, doesn't go all over that. Like for, and Mark, I think you're right. Like for the, the best 30 seconds of that movie. Yeah. I think you just, you called the first, uh, the first break the fourth wall joke there. <laughs> um, the first break the wall joke is he's gonna at some point, And I'm, I'm guessing it'll be the first thing he does is, talk about disney and fox yes (laughs) that's a good bet too (laughs) for sure all right so why don't we uh you know we'll we'll hit some parting shots just go around the screen anything you want to uh say in wrapping up we will be back next monday um you know we'll we'll see where one division takes us for next week and and what else we've got to talk about but um you know each monday we'll we'll throw something new um, I want to know how Tim got lucky enough to fit right onto the Superman body. Like his head's right over su- Superman, at least on my computer. Your your Superman death metal has Tim's head. Oh, nice. <laughs> See, mine has... Bro- <laughs> it's the chin. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. It's perfectly cut like this. Tim, you should just stand, like, do the whole Superman pose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see where WandaVision goes. I think that's in the short term, that's, you know, particularly with a little bit of law in the comic books. I think uh, to me, it's all about where WandaVision goes from here. You know, what excites me about that too is in this 52 week year, we're going to have 50 weeks of Marvel. Like, I mean, remember like your favorite TV show would go off for like four months. You're like, crap, it's gone. Yeah, summer sucked for TV. Yeah, not yeah. gonna the storyline's just gonna keep going because all these things are connected. And that's that's just fun for me. Mm. Yes. Here, here. Zach. I got nothing. You mean DC's got nothing. What? You mean DC's got nothing. 
That's true. DC does have nothing. <laughs> I'm excited about the Snyder cut still. Um, I'm curious to see how there's so much hype for it now. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for Zach's sake. I I think they'll I think they'll pull it off. I, I do. I think they'll pull this off. They've put so much effort into it. There's no way they go back and redo this without. I mean, it's a considerable amount of money they've poured into a remaking of the same film. Yep. They're, they done it right the first time. They wouldn't have had to do it again. <laughs> if Woody goes straight to the police. Exactly. Don't be mad, man. Because now every time they get a movie wrong, they just got to go back and redo it. They won't. Forget this that. will just be a one-time thing. It's because like most that. of the movies that they get wrong are because they originally were just poorly made. Yeah, let's not assume Snyder this cut. is going to be better either. That's, yeah, that's, that's, Snyder uh, cut. The jury's still out. Yeah, get Ryan Reynolds back on board and get back to Green Lantern. Oh gosh, going again, man. Stop. <laughs> Actually, we saw Deadpool kill Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern. I'm pretty sure at the end of Deadpool too. So <laughs> <laughs> they're going to do like multiple Batman. They can get Val Kilmer and Clooney back. Schwarzenegger is freeze. <laughs> Oh, that's the best for that. And and I have to say, I, I think you know, uh, Mark, you're right. I mean, Wandavision is where is you know where the road leads right now, and we'll see where it goes. I I, I think Eternals is later this year. It's like a November release, right? And so we've got a while to wait for that. That's certainly what I'm looking forward to. But where Wandavision takes us, we'll see. Oh no, I know we get Winter Soldier right on the mm-hmm. back into this. Yep. And Loki's coming out. I really Loki's one I can't wait for. But Shaquille O'Neal is steel. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back. It all matters. <laughs> Everything matters. You're here first. <laughs> With that, I think I've delved into the lower pits of anything comic related. All right. So we'll leave. Uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal is steel as our, our parting shot here. And uh, you know, appreciate everybody uh, watching with us. And you know, there will be much more to come. We'll see you next Monday.